The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Rob Haney, uh, who is Managing Director of Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., uh, based in Florida, uh, and Scott Page, who's President and CEO of the Lifeline Program, based in Atlanta. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, both of you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, Jordan. We'll be talking today about life settlements, uh, which is an area a lot of people may not have heard about, uh, which allows people to sell their life insurance policies, get immediate cash. So, Rob, why don't you just start us with a basic about life settlement. Just tell us what the basics of a life settlement is and how it works. Well, uh, simply put, a life settlement is the, is the sale of, a, of an existing life insurance policy. <clears throat> um, typically, that individual, we're talking specifically about senior citizens, so we'll say over the age of 70, typically 75 years old or older, uh, and what they, what the individual who is interested in, in looking into a life settlement needs to do is uh, fill out a simple one-page applica- application. There is no cost or obligation uh, required for this service. And typically, what we do is we determine uh, what that policy would be worth in a secondary marketplace uh, that exists outside of uh, the other options that have existed and that many people are aware of, which is the surrender of a life insurance policy for the cash value, if there is any, or in worst case scenario, a lapse of a policy uh, that no longer uh, has any need uh, going forward. So really, it's it's all about changing circumstances. An individual has a life insurance policy, that they've had for uh, some period of time and whatever the needs were that were uh, were needed at the time that they issued the policy to the individual, those needs may or may not be uh, relevant or, in worst case, they may not be affordable for the individual. I'm going to go through the 10 questions that people ask you uh, most frequently uh, when they sell their policies. And the first one, let's go with you, Scott, is how old do you have to be? Is there a certain age that you have to be or is it advised to be where you can sell your policies and, and when, what age are you not going to be able to sell your policy? Well, you know, typically a, a life settlement for someone that's 70 or older um, to be able to sell their policy. Um, however, there's also an opportunity for anyone at any age who is suffering from a life-threatening or terminal illness to also sell their policy. So if you sort of think of the two distinctions, um, someone with an abbreviated life expectancy or some type of a terminal illness who may be under the age of 70 certainly should apply to a life settlement for a life settlement evaluation. But any senior, anyone over the age of 70, needs to evaluate a life settlement as one more option in rethinking their retirement. And in many cases, a life settlement, of course, is a sale of the policy and will result in a cash payment to the seller or to the owner of the, insur- insur- of the insurance policy that far exceeds the cash surrender value. A settlement is a unique alternative sur- also to surrendering or just letting the policy lapse. 
I think a lot of seniors have, and have never really looked at a life insurance policy as a tangible asset. But now, by rethinking their retirement, life insurance policies and life settlements should be part of everyone's total retirement package. Rob, do you have to be terminally ill in order to sell a policy, or can you be a little bit sick, or what if you're completely healthy? Well, uh, I, to touch on what Scott added, uh, you, you need to have a, a, a situation, and, be, you, and again, the two, two examples Scott gave is one is you're, you're bumping up against mortality in terms of being older, uh, and then number two is you have uh, a, a, some type of an illness or condition that somebody can calculate a life expectancy. Uh, when, when this all boils down to uh, the the individual is is being looked at in terms of from the investment standpoint as to how long the insured or owner of the life insurance policy and in, in many cases has to live, and they gauge future premium costs going forward. Uh, so the, the math really comes in: how long will they carry the policy for? Uh, going forward, and that usually, uh, in, in in many cases, well, in all cases, as reflect as it reflects in a life settlement, is greater than the surrender value. So, to go back to Scott's question: is you know, it doesn't cost anything to apply. Uh, it's good. It's good to have peace of mind to know going forward what your policy is worth, and if at the end of the day, surrendering your policy is the best option. Well, at least you'll know that. Indeed. So if you're completely healthy and over 70 and you have no conditions, you're certainly not even close to terminally ill, you will not be able to sell your policy, you're saying? Well, that's not necessarily – when you say completely healthy, I think that's a that's – a, it depends on in, who, in whose eyes who's completely healthy. But let's just give a, give a simple example for your audience. If you're 70 years old uh, and you have a life insurance policy and let's say you took second in the New York City Marathon and that's not in your age group, Chances are you probably won't qualify for a life a life settlement, but again it doesn't always it doesn't hurt to to ask i mean you can certainly work with uh <clears throat> work with any one of the companies that are out there and certainly we can look at it and kind of tell you in very short order whether or not you have a chance and by the way, give them your uh, website rob and phone numbers uh, if they want to find out more in their, their own sure, situation s e t t l e m e n t s Dot com and our phone number is 866-326-5433. Okay, very good. Um, so uh, for uh, Scott, uh, how large or small can the policy that you're selling be? Is, is there some limits as to being too big or, or too small? Um, we use a rule of thumb that, you know, we would, we would routinely review policies of $250,000 and larger, However, that doesn't disqualify for those policies that are $250,000 or less. Um, however, the, the norm of settlements are usually $250,000. And as far as the ceiling, um, any policies, once they get into the jumbo range, which we're talking about maybe 7 to $10 million, um, we will find a home for those. We think anybody, again, do not try to make a decision of any of your listeners of whether the policy should qualify, whether the face value should qualify, or my health should qualify. We encourage um, anyone to contact you know, a life settlement company and apply for a no-cost, no-obligation, free analysis of their policy. What's the biggest policy you've ever seen sold? I, per, personally, $75 million is the, is the largest uh, single policy. 
uh, that that we've that we've brokered. Uh, so that was the face amount. That was the the death benefit that's, of seventy five million. That's correct. And how much did they get for that roughly? That turned out to be somewhere in the uh, upper teens when it was all said and done. Again, they were split. The policies were broken down, and they were they were sold off, uh, not necessarily all to one to one investor either. So, like, like Scott said, you don't want to you don't want to ever you know pre qualify yourself. Um, you, there, there have been times, and Scott could probably add to this that you know those parameters have changed. It wasn't always that you could sell a ten million dollar policy. It wasn't always. Uh, that you could sell a policy if you were um, 70 years old. So it's it's it, it's an ever evolving process. Um, you know, I we Scott and I have, have been around for many years, too many to count, to be honest with you. But uh, it's it's as good as it's it, it's it's been, and it's getting better in terms of opportunities for people uh, across America to avail themselves of this option. What is typically the kind of discount that people can expect, and what are the factors that go into uh, the discount from the uh, policy amount, that is the uh, death benefit, uh, compared well, based on their age or their health condition? What are some of the factors, and what are the typical discounts that people can I'll expect? I'll let Scott tackle that one. Yeah, thank you. And many of the discounts when evaluating a life insurance policy for a life settlement, we look at specifically the, the age of the insured, we look at the health status of the insured, and that is done through the life settlement. The broker provider will um, provide a medical record release to the applicant, and we will evaluate the medical history on the insured and develop a life expectancy. That life expectancy or mortality also drives the eligibility for a life settlement. As a rule of thumb, the, the sicker or the older you are, the higher the settlement may be the healthier and younger you may be, the, the lower the settlement may be. Um, other factors we look at are the cost of premiums to maintain the policy on an annual basis. Uh, we also look at the carrier rating. Insurance carriers are rated either by AMBEST or Moody's. Um, life settlement companies really like working with the A-rated, some B-plus rated carriers. But again, that changes depending on the needs of, of the buyers. So, we don't want to give the consumers too much of a box to work within. We think everyone should contact and, and see if their policy applies. But the most important factor to repeat, the older and sicker, the more they, the higher the settlement someone can receive than someone who's younger and a little more healthier. So if you just give me a rough range, say somebody is terminally ill and within a year of dying okay. uh, compared to somebody who's maybe got 20 years to live, yeah. or something I like that, roughly what would be the discount range? I can, and we've seen ranges, again, as Rob mentioned, you know, um, I'm getting close to 22 years in the industry, and Rob is shortly following behind me. I've seen settlements range from as low as 2% of face up to 75% of face. So there's really a, a pretty large gamut of, of where we've seen settlements. And, again, each of those specific cases are related to the life expectancy, the age, the cost of the premiums, and the size of the policy. And, and, and Rob, I might add, when, right. you, when you start talking about those higher numbers, uh, and again, Scott and I have been doing this a long time, um, the, the higher the number, we always recommend it, it's in the best option of people that have got uh, a year to live, and it's a consensus opinion amongst their doctors and even the, the life settlement uh, 
uh, life expectancy providers as it relates to life settlements. It's always in the best option to keep that policy, but uh, in, t- in today's uh, economic environment, sometimes that's not always an option. So um, if you don't have if you don't have the means to keep the premium uh, paid or, in, in effect, keep the policy in force, uh, that may be your only option. And uh, Scott and I could give you a list of examples where uh, it has made all the difference in the world. I can go back into the into the um, late 90s where people have taken uh, proceeds from a settlement that was uh, and, and gone back out into. In, into into the market, so to speak, for medical uh, treatments, uh, and have in some cases, uh, uh, this isn't always the best news for the investor, but it's certainly good news for the consumer. Uh, have gone out and basically made them made their lives a, a lot longer, and in some cases, actually uh, staved off what was in fact uh, everybody had seen as a foregone conclusion that they were going to contract or potentially die from soon. So. You know, the great thing, is, as Scott mentioned, is this is an asset that, that, that many people um, do not know that they have an opportunity to avail themselves of in terms of, of a secondary marketplace in which to sell it. Uh, that's not uh, – that's by design. Uh, there's 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 forces, if you will, out there that don't want don't want anybody to know this, uh, quite frankly, because uh, it's it's certainly better to take money and then not pay it out in forms of a death benefit. Now, while I'm sitting here not attacking the life insurance industry, uh, we've done we've done some work in our industry recently where we've gone out to the uh, to the regulatory bodies and 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 made this option a little more visible to some folks in some various states, and, and hopefully that will be the, the, the law of the land uh, in the coming years uh, and decades in terms of this option being uh, well-known um, um, by all consumers that this is an option. And quite frankly, I, I, I can see, uh, certainly don't have a crystal ball, but I could certainly see where this might actually lead to more life insurance sales uh, to consumers because it's certainly an option uh, you know, at my age, I'm 47. Uh, that now I'm not looking at a settlement, but certainly, you know, 30, 35 years from now, it might be an opportunity for me to to sell for for far more than I could get if I were to surrender the policy uh, once okay. the need for the insurance is gone. Okay, we have to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Good with the Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Rob Haney, who is managing director at Life Insurance Settlements, and their website is lisettlements.com. And we also have Scott Page, who's president and CEO of the Lifeline program, also in the life settlements business. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Rob Haney, who's Managing Director at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., and Scott Page, who's President and CEO of the Lifeline Program, both experts in the field of life settlements. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, how long uh, do people have, have to have owned their life insurance policy uh, before they are able to sell it? The, the, in, go, go ahead, Scott. I'll let you take this. Thank you. In, in most, in all life insurance policy contracts when issued, there's a standard two-year contestability clause. There's a two-year contestability and two-year suicide clause. That means if a death should take place in the first two years of the policy, the life insurance company has the contractual right to investigate and or protest or contest the claim. Through traditional life settlements, we look at policies that are beyond the two-year contestability period. So the policy has to be at least two years old for a short answer. Okay. And what types of policies uh, can people sell? Is it a term and cash value or one or the other or both? Well, there's there's a, a, a phenomenon that, that we've been working on called term to perm, um, whereas any, any, any individual owning a life insurance policy, first of all, again, needs to call to see if they qualify. Um, traditionally, life settlements have been purchased that are permanent life insurance, which are universal or whole life policies. These are policies that are, aren't tied to a specific term. However, we've been able to introduce a new avenue for consumers to do what's known as a term to perm, or term coverage to permanent coverage, whereas they can contact a life settlement uh, provider and get an evaluation on the policy as if it were to be converted. The price that they'd be offered would be on the converted policy. So the consumer would be able to get a, a price on their term policy and then only convert it if they felt that it was necessary and they wanted to settle it into the life settlement market. So, again, any policy, anyone with any type of policy should call to qualify, um, anyone with a term and or permanent coverage. One of the policy types that are not purchasable are group coverages. So anyone with a group coverage through their employer or through the federal government, um, they do not participate in the life settlement market. And, again, if they want to find out more about policies they have, what uh, website and phone number should they call? They should call uh, the website is lisettlements.com, and the phone number is 866-326-5433. So tell me about cash value in a whole life policy. You, or you built up some kind of cash value. What happens to that cash value when you sell the policy? Well, the cash value can be used in two different ways. Um, it could be recommended that the seller pull the cash value out of the policy and take that in conjunction with an offer, or depending on the circumstance of the offer, they may choose to leave the cash value in the policy and um, 
get a much a, a higher offer, which includes the cash value of the policy. So that is all taken in consideration when an evaluation of a policy is done, whereas what the cash value is, and of course what's in the best interest of the, the consumer, whether they should pull the cash or leave the cash in and um, enjoy a much higher settlement. So if they leave the cash in, say they have whatever, $40,000 in cash value in an existing uh, policy, and they leave it in, and they sell it, they're going to get a higher price for that policy. When the person dies, that cash value goes to the buyer of the policy. What happens to the cash value when that person dies? One of the important elements to understand with the life settlement is once someone sells their life insurance policy into the life settlement market, they no longer have any obligations. It would be just as if they had sold a piece of art, an old car, a home, any asset, and we want Americans to rethink their retirement by looking at their life insurance policy as one more asset in their stable, so that once they sell this asset, they no longer have no more fun. They have no longer financial obligations to pay premiums on that policy, and they also are surrendering any rights and previous beneficiary rights to collect on that policy. It's a sale of an asset. Okay. Beautiful answer. Um. So um, how much does it cost for the seller of the insurance policy to uh, complete a transaction? Well, I'll go back to my original statement. That the, the, when, when, when one inquires about what do they qualify, um, what, we, what we say and continue to say and I've said forever, it's a non-binding free appraisal, no cost, no obligation. So there, there are no costs, uh, out of, out of pocket costs for medical examinations. Um, our role, uh, again, I sit on, I sit on the, the side of, of, of the field in terms of, uh, the playing field and life settlements as a broker. So I go, uh, our, it's our job here at Life Insurance Settlements to go out and collect up, uh, the necessary information for someone like Scott's company to purchase the policy. So we collect up all of the available medical records. Um, that that would be relevant to uh, determining uh, the insured's uh, life expectancy. So um, we we want to know, if you will, everything that's going on with your life uh, as it relates to your health uh, moving forward. We also want to collect up all of the pertinent insurance information. We get what's called um, a verification of coverage, which we ask a series of questions related to the life insurance policy so that when and if the policy is, is sold uh, to Scott's company, that they have clear title and that they've seen that the policy has remained in force and what the current cash is, if at all, uh, moving forward. So all of those costs, um, if it's a policy, it looks like it's something that, that, that has an opportunity to sell, uh, and, and the insured or owner is, is ready, willing, and able, we'll move forward, we'll incur those costs uh, up front, and then uh, obviously when an offer is, is made or a series of offers are made, we'll convey the highest offer uh, to the insured uh, and let them determine what, what the next steps are. So there are many potential buyers of these policies out there. What kind of buyers are there? Are these institutions or individuals and what kind of competition is there uh, when there's a policy that meets the criteria? This is Scott's wheelhouse. The, um, and the market has, has shifted as far as who is purchasing the policies, and it's stabilized and become much more institutional. Um, you know, I, I like to draw the comparisons for consumers to, to understand how what actually happens to the policy once they're sold. Once it's sold, 
And I'd like to, to sort of outline, you know, there's a, a few legal requirements that insured should be aware of when they sell their policies. Now, first of all, that they're surrendering all the rights to the policies, that, you know, they no longer can participate in any death benefit. Their beneficiaries will have to sign releases. Um, their legal responsibilities are, of course, to provide true and accurate information. Um, the life settlement provider has to have ongoing access to their medical records and reports into the future. Uh, there's also a contact requirement. We have to stay in touch with the insureds. You know, we, we always explain to consumers that we're not a life settlement ATM machine. You know, we do evaluate your policy, and we're creating a relationship with the consumers because we have to contact the consumers. In, in some states, it's, it's mandated that we contact every quarter to get a health update. And then, of course, at the end of life, we're going to need cooperation to be able to collect the death certificate, which is the final part of this transaction. The legal responsibilities for the providers, of course, is to protect all personal identifying information. You know, we take HIPAA very seriously. Um, every life settlement provider has anti-fraud plans in which they store and contain um, private information. Uh, life settlement provider's responsibility is to pay the purchase price to the insured within three days of changing ownership. So once someone sells their policy, it's recorded to the carrier. There's about a 72-hour, three-day window that the provider has to legally pay the insured for that policy. And, of course, take on all responsibility for future premiums and payments. Now, these changes in the industry has, of course, forced an institutional presence in the market, which we believe is very safe for consumers because life settlement Individual life settlements are packaged in portfolios that act very similar to mortgages. If you would think for consumers in their head that a bank may own 500 mortgages, the same type of purchasing scenario is happening right now in the life settlement market. Wall Street loves the idea. It's a perfect match for a pension fund need where you can buy a large portion of different diversified life settlements and have a very predictable outcome. So because of this institutionalization and the financing that has taken place and the creativeness and to be able to bring it to Wall Street, there's a huge appetite right now on the institutional side with pension funds to purchase as many life settlements as possible, which is why we've taken on this consumer educational program, and we hope that life settlements are going to become a practice to rethink retirement that everyone uses in years to come. What kind of regulations uh, regulate the life insurance business at the federal and state level? Well, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll field this one. Um, as, as Scott and I mentioned uh, earlier, we've, we've been around, you know, approaching Scott's well over two decades. I'm approaching my the end of my second. Um, so we'll give you the scenario of, of where, where we've come. Right now, uh, 40 states... 41 states regulate the life settlement activity uh, through the Department of Insurance. So it's insurances, uh, life insurance, so to speak, is regulated at the state level. Uh, there are there are some governing bodies who help create model acts that are uh, reviewed um, and considered when a state decides to regulate uh, this marketplace. Uh, one that comes to mind is NCOIL, and um, the other one is NAIC. But as, as it relates to this, I heard, heard a statement, and, I, and, it's, and it's resonated, and I, I, I keep sounding it off over and over in my head. A gentleman who works in government relations for another for another firm who, who constantly is in the air in the state capitals 
made 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 a statement when he was testifying uh, before a governing body that we're the most regulated financial transaction uh, in 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 the financial services industry. And what what he meant by that was. Not only do we disclose all the things that Scott touched on, but when, when, an, when an individual enters into a life settlement, we also disclose all the other options that they could have availed themselves of. Now, I always thought it was funny that we'd always avail them of the less, in, the inferior options. So you could take a $800,000 offer that say you were selling a $5 million policy. You could take an $800,000 settlement offer. You could also surrender it for 300000 or you could bleed the cash down and pay the premiums and then lapse it for nothing. Um, but now we're, 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 seeing, we're seeing the movement where we disclose the commission that is generated by any entity inside uh, of, of this sale as it relates to the, the, the services and functions that I provide. So that the client knows exactly what he or she is paying in terms of compensation to any entity like myself who provides a service or if they work through a financial planner or even an attorney or a CPA, any fees that he or she may receive, they know of. So this is all disclosed to the consumer. There's no hiding uh, behind any, any curtains or in the shadows, so to speak, uh, that, that this is a, a, a as transparent a transaction as they're ever going to be involved in. Uh, Great. We have to take a break. We're going to come back after this, so we have to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, the Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Rob Haney, uh, Managing Director at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., uh, their website, lisettlements.com. And we also have Scott Page, uh, CEO of the Atlanta-based Lifeline program. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. 
My guests this hour are Rob Haney, a Managing Director at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., and Scott Page, a CEO of the Lifeline Program. We're talking about the whole business of life settlements. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thank if you. somebody wants to get started uh, in this process, uh, how should they go about doing it? If they've got a life insurance policy and uh, they need the money now, how should they get started? Well, it's very simple. Uh, again, the website, lisettlements.com, uh, there is a, a link for applications which are available to be downloaded uh, depending upon the state uh, that one lives in. You can see the, the, the corresponding state. If you live in a state that doesn't have regulation, which is now down to 10, uh, you can use the universal application or you can simply call 866-326-5433. Uh, and someone in our office will be more than happy to uh, forward to you uh, the application uh, to get started. How long does the process typically take from beginning to end? Uh, I'll start with this, and I'll have Scott give his answer. Uh, the process, we, we like to tell people that it's going to take somewhere between uh, 8 to 12 weeks from the beginning to the end. Uh, and, you know, certainly we've never had anybody complain if it took six weeks uh, when we told the mate, uh, but again, this is uh, a process that that takes some time in terms of collect up all the records uh, that are necessary, uh, and then to go through the process, which I'll kind of lead into Scott and what he, what he has to do on his end. But then we send it out to organizations like Scotts uh, who analyze the information that we provided them, and then Scott, if you want to take over. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Rob's assessment. It, it really. The, one of the things we would um, advise consumers, the, the faster that they can help us to facilitate getting copies of their medical records and illustrations from the insurance carrier, that really can help speed up the process. But um, Rob's estimate is accurate. There's a lot of due diligence that, that we have to undertake to verify the policy and make sure we're protecting the consumer by giving them the best possible offer. What is required of doctor's records? Do you actually have to go to a doctor or... Can you just give them records from the past? What do you actually need from the doctor? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's always a good idea to see your doctor, but it's not required. There's no there's no physical examination required to move forward in a life settlement. Um, but, you know, to touch on what Scott said, we certainly want the most recent medical records, and certainly if you are uh, experiencing health issues, and this is one of the reasons you're looking to avail yourself of this option, chances are you, you are in contact with your doctor or doctor's uh, but no, you're not specifically required to have anyone come to your house or to go to a specific doctor to, to move forward. Do you need an attorney or a financial planner uh, in this whole process? Um, my answer is it's all oh, it's it's never a bad idea to have uh, competent legal uh, representation, uh, but uh, it is not it is not necessary. Uh, a consumer does not need to engage uh, a financial planner or, or an attorney per se to get to get started. Uh, certainly, at the end, uh, when this thing, uh, when this I should say, not say thing, but when this transaction is winding down, uh, you certainly should have somebody review the documents along with you. After all, this is a pretty fairly large asset that uh, the individuals are selling, so we don't we don't think we don't advise against it. Certainly. And do most financial planners think this is a good idea, or do they resist the idea of selling a policy? Well, there's the, the 
the argument that a financial planner has a fiduciary responsibility to avail its clients and advise its clients of every option available. And unfortunately, we're still in the education process, not only to the consumers but to financial planners. So we advise if there's any financial planners that are listening also to please educate themselves on life settlements because it's certainly an option that's needed for Americans. So what exact policy information do you need if you're selling your policy? Uh, what do people need to be able to provide to the life insurance settlement company? Well, it, uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll begin and let Scott end again. The, we, we certainly need to know, uh, we need a copy of the policy. Uh, we, you know, at some point we're going to need the original. We're going to need to know the, the death benefit. Scott mentioned current illustrations. That's nothing but a forecast of, of, of the premiums necessary to keep the policy in force. Um, and, and as it, that's really all we need from the consumer. We're going to go get the rest of the information uh, with the release that the insurance is going to grant us permission to speak with the life insurance company as regards to any further information that we may need. Yeah, and I think Rob hit it. You know, really, we're not going to burden the consumer with a lot of work. They can just contact, and, and we take care of the legwork for them. Do you need to list every doctor you've ever seen, or what kind of medical records? Is just one doctor enough? What, what, is, what do people actually need to prevent? It's certainly more advantageous for both the seller and, of course, the buyer to have a very clear and complete health history. So the more information they can provide on the physicians, past physicians, specialty physicians, the more medical records we can gather, the much more accurate and reliable settlement that we can provide. If you're in a situation where you've sold your life insurance policy, can you refer other people who might be in a similar situation to yourself? Absolutely. Some of our best clients are referrals. I think once they understand and, and realize the ease of, of selling their life insurance policy, and I think everyone needs to, to, to try to help one another. I mean, clearly, we're in a country in a crisis, and we believe that seniors and boomers need to review their financial options to take a fresh look and approach at funding their retirements. For some, a normal retirement may be out of reach, but for others, selling their life insurance policy might make their retirement possible. Now, if this is such a good deal for consumers, uh, why don't life insurance companies typically tell you uh, about this option? Rob? Uh, that's the, that's the, the, the million-dollar question, Jordan. Um, uh, quite frankly, I think, I think the answer is in front of us in the sense that it, it, for the longest period of time, it's been, it's been a pretty good business model to collect premium and not pay out death benefits. So uh, the old adage is if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Uh, so we have been, I like to think of us as a thorn in their side, so to speak, uh, as it relates to uh, this option. Quite frankly, I can't understand why uh, life insurance companies don't uh, educate their sales force, uh, agent force, uh, about this, and certainly why more consumers don't know about it. You know, Scott touched on you've got a fiduciary responsibility um, to to avail their customer of all the options that exist, uh, and this is certainly one of them. So I don't, I don't have the answer. Uh, I suspect it's, it's, it's what I led with. Uh, I, I hope that's not true, but, uh, you know, we're moving forward, uh, pushing the consumer disclosure option. Um, Scott could tell you a little bit about his, his consumer disclosure option that he's going to getting ready to avail, uh, the America with. Uh, but the reality is, you know, going back to what we said in the very beginning, many, a lot of people have never viewed life insurance as an asset. My accountant, for example, always, for some reason, listed my premium as an expense every year. Certainly it is, 
But the fact is that expense kept an asset, uh, you know, on, on the ledger, so to speak, that I have value in the fact that I own a life insurance policy. And as we get older, as we creep towards retirement, as Scott mentioned, uh, you know, this may be one of the few options, if only option, that exists for, for an American who's considering uh, retiring or, in some, or, worst case scenario, needs to retire for health reasons. There are some states that require uh, that this be disclosed as one of your options. Is that correct? That's correct. And so uh, how many states is that? And I mean, That is four and growing. It's okay, Maine, so the- Washington State. Oregon, and, and most recently, Kentucky. So in those states, so how does that work? You're thinking of cashing in your policy or letting it lapse. You have to be uh, disclosed to you somehow that this life settlement is an option to you. How does it well, exactly work? The, the, the gist of the law is that, it, that if a consumer contacts the insurance company, uh, the insurance company is mandated by law to uh, tell the insured of all the options that exist, and one of those options is, is in fact, the life settlement. I can tell you that it's not uh, working as well as, as we'd like, and, you know, because it's all depending on timing. If someone calls with 13 days left uh, before their policy lapses, what are my options? And 30 days later, they get the answer. That didn't help the consumer too much. So, you know, obviously, all things, when they get started, have their kinks. So we're working to, with the states, to uh, make sure that this happens in a more timely, timely fashion. Uh, apparently, some insurance agents uh, recommend this to their uh, their clients. They sold them a policy in the first place. They see them getting ill and needing money. They recommend that they sell a policy. There's nothing wrong with that, is that right? Or there are some insurance companies that don't want insurance agents to do that. I believe there's some insurance companies that did not want their agents to do it because they were not educated on the transaction. I think in the early days, some insurance agents were actually trying to sell this as an investment to purchase other people's policies to clients, and the insurance companies did not want that activity taking place. But I think we're starting to see the insurance carriers are looking at us in a symbiotic relationship. They realize now their life insurance sales are down. They need some way to continue to keep their their um, bank accounts live, so they want to keep the premium on coming. And now if we can help educate Americans to purchase a policy with the intent that they may use it as a life settlement 5, 10, 20 years down the road, it seems like a win-win, and we should be able to come to the table and work together to, in the benefit of all Americans. But, but your, your sense is that's not happening yet. It, it may happen in the future, but insurance companies in general are resistant to this. Why are insurance companies resistant to this? independent agents that can do what, what, what they what they'd like. So, you know, and, and, and I don't want to use a term other than that the savvy life insurance producers that are out there that, that certainly know about this option know when it, when it fits best for, for, for their client. And uh, we've worked with thousands of them over the, the course of the last decade. Okay, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour uh, Rob Haney, uh, he is Managing Director of Life Insurance Settlements, Inc. Uh, their website is lisettlements.com. Uh, their phone number, 866-326-5433. And Scott Page, uh, who's CEO of the Lifeline Program, also in the life insurance settlement business, are with me uh, during the show. I'll be back after this.
the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Rob Haney. He is Managing Director at Life Insurance Settlements in Florida. Uh, and also we have Scott Page, uh, President and CEO of the Lifeline Program. Welcome back to both of you. We want to get a, a sense of the results in people's lives once they have done a transaction, sold their life insurance policy. Uh, what is one of the main results that they see, Rob? Well, it, it, it frees up uh, money or, or makes them liquid, if you will, to do, to do other things. I mean, for the best example uh, that, that I can use is, is take, take me, for example. Uh, Mid-40s, I buy life insurance for for a specific need, uh, and it's, it's to, you know, mortgage, business, children, education, uh, and, and 30 years from now, all of that is no longer the need that I have the life insurance, and I view it as, you know, really what I want is, is an annuity, or, or in some cases, I, w- I want a Winnebago. So I, I can take cash, that was otherwise in one asset and move it and put it into another. So it free, gives you gives you options. Uh, on a more personal level, we've seen people that were were very near the end of their life and, and were, were certainly faced with a with a terminal condition that was only going to get worse, and they're able to, to uh, get some cash 
together and put together, uh, you know, a, really a once-in-a-lifetime family reunion and really underwrite the whole process with the proceeds that came out of life insurance company. So it runs the full gamut of what people can do. And Scott could probably give you thousands of other examples. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we've seen it. It's a life-changing event you know, for an individual who's struggling to how they're going to pay for retirement. Um, you know, a life settlement offers a golden opportunity and is basically their golden parachute. And we've seen other issues where people sell the policies for, because they simply didn't need them, a wealthier individual, just for tax planning. So we've seen, you know, people that purchase, sold their policies buy medications and take vacations. It's really completely up to the consumer on how they would want to use the assets. It's a different way of looking at life insurance. Most people think of it as a cost or a liability, uh, but I guess instead they're seeing it as an asset. What kind of a difference does that make in, in viewing the policies you have? Well, I think it, it, it should definitely make a, send a strong signal to consumers. For example, there was just a recent Associated Press poll, and you know that 44% of Americans born between 46 and 65 are not confident that they'll have enough money to live comfortably. More than half say they lost money during the economic downturn, and many that were affected said they were, they're delaying their retirement. So I think any, any opportunity that can come along to consumers to educate themselves that they can now view what they thought was a non-performing asset in a life insurance policy as a performing asset or a future performing asset, I think it changes everyone's outlook on retirement. When you get to that point where you just don't want the policy anymore or you don't feel you can afford the premiums, and you have a choice of lapsing the policy that lapse or surrendering it uh, or taking a life settlement, what's the difference in, in the amount of money you might be able to get? Well, the, the government accounting office did a survey last year where they were they looked specifically at life settlements. They were doing some scoring exercise. And at the, the end of the report, it concluded that a life settlement generated over seven times more money uh, then obviously surrendering a life insurance policy and then the multiple would only increase versus lapse, which, which is nothing. Um, you know, you gotta, gotta go back to the basics. Life insurance, uh, there's, some would argue there's $15 trillion of it in force. Um, 90%, and this statistic has been thrown around since I've been in the business, either lapses or is surrendered. So, 10% of it goes to claim. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that, every, that the, the typical life settler lets a $10 million policy lapse, but I don't also want you to think that it hasn't happened. So well, all we do is provide somebody with, as Scott mentioned, a golden parachute, uh, and in some cases, if all the stars align, it is an incredible multiple of what any other option that they could avail themselves of. Uh, with with this process and the fact that it's free and it doesn't cost you uh, anything other than a few moments of your time to fill out an application and get started, I don't see how anybody wouldn't want to at least uh, dip their toes in the water, so to speak, of, of the life settlement opportunity. There is a controversial part of this business, which is called STOLI, which stands for Stranger-Owned Life Insurance. Uh, actually originated, but, but I'll, I'll let you Stranger originated life insurance. So what is that, and, and why do life insurance companies talk about it? Explain briefly the Stoli uh, controversy. Well, I can, I'll take a stab at it. Let Scott button it up. The, uh, it, it started with um, the premium finance uh, phenomenon, which has been around forever, uh, which is people borrow money to pay premiums uh, for their life insurance, and there's any number of ways that that, that can happen. 
uh, a hybrid of that occurred when it became non-recourse, so basically anybody could qualify who had the capacity for life insurance for a non-recourse loan to be borrowed to use the the money to sell, excuse me, to purchase a life insurance policy. And some people thought that they could do that to, in fact, sell their policy in the secondary market, and quite frankly, some many of them did. Um, what, what happened was is that then they, the life insurance industry uh, decided that this was called Stoli Stranger Originate Life Insurance and that somehow uh, the life insurance industry was the, was the culprit. Well, the reality was that the life insurance industry was the culprit. In fact, they, the word origination, which is why I illuminated that for you, is in fact they originated the life insurance policies to begin with because they enjoyed the premium stream. And when this, when this phenomenon took off, a great number of life insurance policies were issued. Now, I can tell you, and Scott can speak to this better than I can, that what it is that they claim Stoli is is fraud. And the fact is, there's no place in our marketplace for fraud, and there certainly are no buyers for it uh, currently. So the fact that they continue to act like they're looking for it is almost akin to them putting together a search party to look for Bigfoot in Oregon. It's not there. There's no buyers, uh, so to speak. So therefore, I can't imagine what would be the intention of anybody wanting to put a policy in force if they had any hopes of selling in the secondary market, because quite frankly, there is no market for uh, that type of uh, life insurance policy. So what they were saying is that uh, somebody would take out a policy with the intent to sell it after the two-year incontestability period, uh, not really having any insurable need. And if, in fact, they died that was owned by an investor, they might not pay for it because it was fraudulent in the first place. Is that what they're saying? Well, I think they, 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 they allege a lot of things. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated, I mean, certainly the, the, the insurable interest statute and others have been argued in courts, uh, and each court, uh, so far has ruled that the insured has a right to take out a life insurance policy and in some cases sell it immediately, even insurable interest, uh, in, in a trust. But again, we're talking about something that, 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 was probably about a four or five year ago phenomenon, uh, and even longer, and quite frankly, doesn't exist anymore in today's marketplace. And Scott, okay. I can tell you, I mean, I can ask we, you. We have about a minute to go. So let's just let's just do a quick uh, summary because we have about a minute to go. Um, Rob, for somebody who has a life insurance policy, uh, why should they sell their policy to a life settlement company like your own? Well, I mean, the reality is, is if you're if you're going to if you have an unwanted, unneeded, or in worst case, unaffordable uh, asset, um, you should at least take the time to avail yourself so you know and you can go to bed at night and know what all of your options are. So that if you were considering surrendering it for three hundred thousand dollars, I certainly think it'd be worth the extra five or ten minutes to fill out the application to see if you can in fact sell it for eight hundred thousand dollars. So I always think that more money, especially we're talking about a multiple, like I mentioned in the GAO report, is always in the best interest of the consumer. Very good. Okay, well, this has been a terrific uh, idea, understanding about how the life insurance settlement uh, industry works. My guests have been Rob Haney, uh, Managing Director of Life Insurance Settlements in Florida, and Scott Page, a CEO of the Lifeline Program based in Atlanta. Again, if you want to find out more about this in your own situation, you can go to lisettlements.com or call 866-326-5433. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Robin Scott. 
And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.